everyone. Welcome to the Career Lounge. I'm happy to have Soyoung have a very interesting career experience. So he started off being a pilot and right now he's still a pilot, but he has also dabbled into personal development work, coaching, training and consultation. So today we want to understand his experience, his history, his life story. So hi Soyoung. Yeah. Hi Javil, thanks for having me. Great to have you. How has 2022 been so far to you? Yeah, 2022, the first two weeks was busy. So I was very thankful to have a, a period of uh, rest just prior to this podcast. So it's very important to recharge so that we have the energy to do the things that uh, matter to us and uh, be fully present with the people that matter to us. I think that's very important because I also believe that you can't give to people what you don't have. So if you don't have the rest, you don't have the energy, you can't give that back to the people around you. Walk us through a little bit about your work history. It's quite interesting because I rarely heard of pilots going into a second job, especially in the area of coaching and personal development. Uh, I wouldn't really call it like a, a second job, but it's more of a calling, something that was a natural extension of uh, what I do within the aviation space. I joined the airline in 2004. And since uh, completing my training and becoming a fully-fledged pilot, I've always had this interest in uh, either training or developing other people. So I've been mentoring some of our pilots for quite a number of years. What actually got me started in venturing beyond the aviation space was uh, when on one of my layovers in San Francisco, I actually went to drive a Tesla Model S because I've always been interested in both cars and technology and the Tesla is like the perfect combination of the two. And I realized how prevalent automated technologies have become and they've become so accessible, right? That it really does increase the risk of being made redundant. And we've seen that happen to, to quite a number of jobs over the years. So that was the first uh, motivation uh, towards me venturing out into things uh, beyond just aviation, while at the same time tapping into my existing interest in uh, people development. So how did you go about slowly building that, the other concurrent pathway as well? Because pilots, right, you'll probably be busy. So how do you manage this other portfolio that you have? It started with, because internally within the airline, I do some non-technical skills training. So for the pilots, so when we talk about non-technical skills, it'll be all the, you know, in the world of HR, we refer them to as people-centric skills, the communication skills, teamwork, things like that. And I've been doing that since uh, 2009. These are skills that would be relevant across industries, uh, not just aviation. And to couple that with the experience of driving a highly automated vehicle and flying highly automated aircraft and understanding what are the things that automation can do for us and the relevance of the human being that kick-started this whole idea of okay the need to contextualize the lessons from aviation to other industries but of course in a place like Singapore where uh, certification and all that is very important so I thought okay why don't I go and do some certification course with uh, the Institute of Adult Learning. And from there, it was where I developed more skills in people development, but also I got to network with people from training in other industries. And I understand the landscape of people and organizational development in various sectors. And that also helped me connect the dots and identify opportunities while at the same time bearing in mind the kind of interest that I have. It's just, it, that's why I say it's not really just a job per se, but it's connecting 
existing skills that I have, understanding what the market is like, and also then building a pathway towards uh, bridging the two. I love whatever you're saying, because again, for me personally, I rarely see um, pilot going to go into these areas as well, because what often we know is they are perhaps happy with whatever, you know, they're doing and all that, but you want to give back in a different way. That's really awesome. I understand that you have this framework called Thrive, right? Which is T-H-R-I-V-E. I don't want to spoil too much, but I just want to understand what this framework is about. I'm more than happy to share, I mean, proprietary concerns aside, because one thing that we realize is not only within aviation and the last two years have been a very good case study. I have a good friend of mine who says that we don't need all these case studies from Harvard Business Review anymore. We just need the last two years of <laughs> pandemic response, both from a governmental and an organizational level to see why resilience is such an important quality for both individuals and organizations. And ultimately, the Thrive Framework is a resilience building framework. And it starts with identifying what are the necessary pillars for... So essentially, Thrive would cover all the necessary elements for a person to have holistic well-being such that they are predisposed towards resilience. And how this is relevant to, to organizational resilience is if you have employees who have holistic well-being and they are resilient, then naturally, by extension, the organization will be resilient. So the elements of Thrive are actually T-H-R-I-V-E. So they each stand for something. T would be your thoughts. H is your physical, your health, your physical health. R are relationships. I is your income and investments. V is vocation as opposed to job because with vocation is tied to the idea of purpose. And E is the enlightened self-awareness. Upon this framework, we also have uh, an initiative where there are representatives for each pillar of well-being. And how this is meant to support the individual is all these elements, we took it from the reports, the World Happiness Reports and Gallup studies. And each of us at varying various points in life will probably suffer some impairment or a deficiency in one of these pillars. So if you take an example, like someone who has experienced a loss of employment, they've been made redundant at work. So it's a loss of their vocation, right? But if you have uh, good physical health, you have supportive relationships, you have sufficient uh, savings, and you have people to guide you towards understanding your problems and finding the solutions, then it is not an issue. It's like the five fingers of a hand. The elements are T-H-R-I-V for each finger and E is the palm. So if our hand is had suffers an injury in one finger, but the other is sufficiently strong, we will be able to compensate and overcome the challenges that we face in life. So you can see how this is applicable at, at the individual coaching level. But if you're looking at it from an organizational level, many companies nowadays have already learned that there is no such thing as really work-life separation and this talk about work-life integration and Brene Brown bringing the whole person right being complete at work so forward-thinking organizations who want to prepare their employees to navigate change navigate uncertainty and volatility it would do them good to consider okay how best can I support my employee in in areas beyond what we conventionally know of as work right how can I help my employees have the kind of conditions that will enable them to have the kind of relationships that are fulfilling, for instance. The kind of work conditions that are supportive of 
good physical health and by extension, mental health. And it's because of the, the holistic nature of this framework, the pathways towards developing and coaching an individual could begin from anywhere. So there's no prescribed method that we must start from the TA going to the H. But for instance, if someone is facing setbacks in career purpose or they're facing issues in relationships or issues with their physical health, that's where we will prescribe the targeted approach as opposed to, okay, you, you try to go in and you tackle everything at once. So we find that to be more practical and more meaningful. Yeah, yeah I like it that you make it so easy to remember. It's attached to each other finger and the palm and it's easy yeah. to remember. And it almost feels like this is something that you can take control of. Like you own it, like when you clench your mm. something that you can do it. I, I love that. And I also like the point too about Brene Brown because I'm in love with her. I love her work. <laughs> and yeah, and we have always been told like, yeah. you know, you leave wherever you are at the doorstep of the office and when you go in, you are a, you should be a different person. And, and there's always this thing, people are talking about work-life separation, but I agree with you. I don't think that you can just separate like that because we go to work like a human being. We just can't say we cut off everything and okay, whatever I feel at work is just at work. When I go back home, I don't feel a thing. No, it, it's not that clear cut. I think there's always this spill from home, from private life to your own work life and then from work life to personal. And when you go to, go to a workplace and you're doing your favorite things, it reinforces you as your identity, right? Your own self-identity. You feel good about it. Yeah, so I really love that. Wow, cool. I, I love this. T-H-R-I-V on my like, I'm going to remember this time when I look at my palm. <laughs> it's so easy to remember. Yeah, there's another reason we also chose that hand because I think if you're talking about work-life integration and I think one thing that uh, many of us realize is a need, not just a want, is the need for human connection in order for us to feel whole, in order for us to feel complete and healthy and fulfilled. So the reason why we use the hand is in order to thrive, we we don't only have to think about serving ourselves, right? So our hands not only serve ourselves, but our hands are also meant to serve others. So in order to thrive, we not only have to think about supporting our own needs, but to also understand our individual roles in supporting the needs of others. And this is true whether you are in a family unit or whether you are in a team at work. So it's a, I would say it's a collaborative framework. Wow. Okay. I mm. understand what are some of the things or common themes that you observe among all your coaches? Wow. That's a very deep question. <laughs> oh, we really have got to die. Yeah, I think... Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a very deep question. And I would say this goes back to why we chose the hand as a model as well. So very simply, your hand is not the same as my hand, right? From the length of the individual fingers to each fingerprint on each finger, your hand is truly unique to you, which also means that every individual's vision of thriving is unique to them. So if you were to say one big takeaway that I've noticed in, in, in my years of coaching is that happiness stems from trying to copy and paste someone else's vision of success for ourselves. That's one thing. And it, it drives this whole sense of discontentment, dissatisfaction. And it's why in our society, we can see so many people who have achieved what would be conventionally viewed as markers of success, like the title, the level of income, the kind of car you drive, the kind of house you live in. And yet they remain dissatisfied. 
So I would say one big thing is to not too closely the footsteps of others in trying to achieve success. So that's the first takeaway. The other takeaway would be the power of boundaries. And I think if you're a big Brene Brown fan, you know how important yeah. boundaries are to her, right? So when we talk about boundaries, right, and this is tied into the idea of the enlightened self-awareness. In order to have boundaries, we must first be able to say or identify what we ourselves stand for. So that would be in terms of values or how do you wish to be wish to identify yourself. And when we can identify what we will stand for, it also tells us what we won't stand for. And when it comes to things like encroachments into our well-being, the, the key is not only number one, the challenge is not only to identify the boundary. Because many of us are raised to say yes. Uh, to, to whether it's to please our elders or to please our superiors at work, we are, we are conditioned to say yes. So number one is to even identify the boundary and then after that, enforce that boundary. And I don't say enforce, you, know, you must bang the table, flip the table, raise your voices, but we can enforce boundaries by saying no in very kind, in a very compassionate manner. There's this uh, saying I heard recently, was it Elizabeth Olsen who said that no is a complete sentence. So I thought that's very beautiful. <laughs> that's very wow. beautifully put. And the third one is this, which is related, right? The third one is loving ourselves is not selfish because we tend to confuse loving ourselves with self-indulgence. But sometimes it's okay. If you use the example of a new parent who's very anxious about looking after their, their children and they will sacrifice their sleep, they'll sacrifice sometimes even their meal times so that they can look after the children. But if you were to flip the situation around and say you would not deprive your children of sleep, you would not deprive your children of food, a healthy diet, the, th the activities that they enjoy. So if you will not do that to your children, then you shouldn't do that to yourself as well. So self-love is very important in order for us to live the kind of vision of uh, thriving that, that we want. Culture is at the heart of every organization, every business transaction, and every team. Besides the C-suite and the HR, the managers are a critical component to help ensure a healthy and thriving culture for everyone. They hire, they train, they guide, they coach your employees on a daily basis so they can either make or break your team and the culture. I've worked with many managers and leaders across startups and big organizations and successfully helped them to be more empathetic and human-centric while driving more engagement and ultimately company's performance. So write to me at upwithjaville at gmail.com or visit the website on my show notes to arrange for a free 30-minute consultation. I actually have an aha moment, like when you were saying all this, and I, I, I thought that maybe I just put them together and I want to hear when, I want to hear from you whether it makes sense. Because you mentioned yeah, sure. that everybody's definition of success or thrive would be very different, just like how each of our hands are very different from each other. And because of that, which means everybody would have different boundaries because our definition of it would be different. I, I may not want to yes. climb to an assistant director and, and maybe that's fine because I have other... Mm areas of thrive that I care about besides just vocation. And because once I'm yes. clear of, of that, like definition, I'm able to say certain boundaries and say, you know what, I may not want to work beyond seven because I care about relationship more. I care about my health more, etc. And these boundaries are actually putting yourself first and loving yourself first. And there's nothing wrong with loving yourself because what I always believe is you can't give 
again, you can't give others what you don't have. So when you don't have energy, when you don't have the rest, you can't give people what they need as well. And I think I've seen leaders, even I myself have taken sabbatical before because I kind of know that I was about to reach the point of burnout. And as a HR practitioner, if I burn out, I will not have meaningful interaction with all my colleagues because what they are going to see is this grumpy Javier who comes to work every day and just hate interacting because he's just burnt out. He's just overstretched. He's just tired <clears> out. Is that what I'm getting? Like, I feel like this how this thriving and connecting this whole thing with boundaries and, and self-care and definition. Yeah, almost there. So it's, I think you touch on this phenomenon, which is becoming quite prevalent, which is the burnout of the average employee at the workplace. I think in the last years where the boundaries between where does work and home start and stop is blurred, has led to more and more people feeling burnout. And by extension also has led to this phenomenon called the great resignation. So it's, I would say it's not so much saying that, okay, I have to stop work at 7 p.m., but also identifying what drives that need to say that, okay, I have to stop work at a particular time. And also, it's a collaborative thing. So it's not just about, okay, identifying what your individual needs are, but then, okay, we're going to talk about vulnerability, right? Being able to be courageous enough to be vulnerable and acknowledge that and share that with the people within the organization. So this is the part where collaborative conversations are very important. Having the psychological safety to have these kind of conversations with one another without fear of repercussion, fear of reprisal, and also being able to adapt to the situation, right? Because you also understand that when we talk about volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, right? The great VUCA, right? The willingness to adapt is actually very vital in order to thrive. Not only the willingness to adapt on the part of the organization, but also on the part of the individual. So when it comes to boundaries, it's, it's about also communicating them and then be able to then see, okay, how do we make this work at the individual and the organizational context? I, I know that you also have just released a, a new book. Kudos. I, I want to get a copy, but I think you mentioned that it, <laughs> uh, in, the, in, the, in the new printing, right? I want to make sure I, I, I chop it here. <laughs> I chop like a, a new book. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about, about this book. The book is called uh, Stories of the Skies. And the whole idea, the genesis of it was, it, it began from a conversation I had over lunch with Rose Manuel who is an educator and prolific uh, writer. And the reason we even met for lunch was the book that she sent to me got lost in the mail. So to ensure that the copy of her book actually reached my hands, we said, okay, we are going to meet for lunch. And this triggered this whole theme of uh, serendipity over the course of my friendship with Rose. So after we had lunch, Rose said, maybe we should try and write some, something together. So she hatched this idea sometime in, June last year to just write stuff that comes from deep within, things that would not only inspire ourselves, but hopefully inspire people because for many people around us, and it stems from this belief that belief in the power of the written word in, in influencing not only the writer, but also the reader, because ultimately we make sense of the world through language. So that was how it, how it all began. And... Along the way, there were some hiccups, but those hiccups also brought very miraculous outcomes. So I think another thing that I learned from 
the process of writing the book was to stay open, to to think positive, even when we encounter setbacks. So you can encounter a setback. Okay, how do I make the best of this? How do I continue to make this work? And the third thing that I really uh, enjoyed in the process of uh, writing that book was the validation of, of my guiding principle in life, which is to do the right things with the right people for the right reason. So in the end, the, the, the first print, we just said, okay, all proceeds, not part of proceeds, but all proceeds from the book will go to charity. We raised, uh, I think by now it's almost $3,000 for various wow. charities in Singapore. Really? Yeah, and how... Just from that, that seed of the idea planted by Rose, right? And it really speaks of how when we collaborate with each other, with like-minded individuals for lofty enough vision, uh, you can you can inspire others to, to take action and move forward also. And I think if, if there's one thing we should learn from COVID is how can we uh, reach out and support those in need because that in turn will also make us feel good and and that's good for our own well-being. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it, it makes me more wanting to get a copy of the book. So please let me and let us know <laughs> when the next print will be out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. So yeah, right now we're going to do this, what I call the quick fire round. So I'm going to ask you a series of mm. uh, questions that your personal interests and et cetera. So just whatever comes to your mind, just take it, okay? Okay. Nice. Here goes. Your favorite drink? I just wrote about this on LinkedIn. <laughs> Planta Orange. <laughs> that is, uh, just to many of you out there, that's like our favorite. I don't know, like every time when there's a banquet dinner, like people's wedding, that's like the mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Your favorite hangout place? Favorite hangout place? Uh, I would say it's any kind of beach or outdoor nature park that has uh, that gives me a sense of openness and uh, spaciousness yeah you have traveled to so many countries which country do you like the most except Singapore wow which country oh yeah actually of course except you can I say Singapore right was that was that no, I, I mean except that you love Singapore as well but the other country <laughs> <laughs> what other countries do I, do I like I would I would actually say Canada. I've and I've only been to Vancouver and Canada, and I've only been there maybe two or three times. But I really like how there's a very well thought out urban development plan. It's clean. At the same time, it's right off the coast. You have the majestic Pacific Ocean, wow. and not far away you have the very grand uh, mountain uh, Whistler. And there is this whole sense of it's a it's a big city metropolitan, but at the same time it's very close to nature. So I would say, yeah, Vancouver in Canada is my favorite destination. The book that you want that you think everybody should read, besides your book. <laughs> uh, first first of all, I, I don't think that everybody should read my book because <laughs> one really uh transformative book that I read was The Go-Giver, recommended by uh, a good friend of mine, Tang Li Chao. He's also a head of HR in, in one of the local firms. And it really shaped how I view the career journey. It really shaped uh, how I viewed making a difference and making a contribution. I think a key theme that I really like from it is 
it's framing leadership as not and this is something else I heard from 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 someone that I that I do some work with, and that's leadership shouldn't be driven by ambition. Because ambition is personal, it's individualistic, it's about material things usually. Leadership shouldn't be driven by ambition, but it should be about vision. The last question, what is that one piece of advice that you think everybody should know or you have received so impactful to your life? There is no such thing as failure, only feedback. Uh, This I learned from my mentor. (laughs) But he'll add a caveat, provided you survive. (laughs) And he also says, don't attribute me as the original author of this quote, but I think when he said, there is no such thing as failure, there's only feedback, and that is to approach pretty much all aspects of life, whether it's our career, our relationships, or whatever hobbies we pick up, as approaching it from a growth-minded approach. That means anything we can learn, we can develop, we can get better. We just need to have the willingness to try yeah, and be open to feedback. Thank you so much, Soyoung, for, for giving us so much nuggets. I love this conversation. I'm glad that we had a common author and I think a lot of the ideas and concepts around vulnerability, courage, uh, drawing boundaries, being human, yeah. whole self to work. I think these are simple, but yet people tend to forget these universal concepts throughout whether you are at work or in your own personal life. So thank you so much for Young for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Javil. It's All been right. a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it and have learned so much to level up your career and your workplace. I hope you can continue to support my work to impact more people and organizations to level up their leadership, culture, and performance. You can support me by giving reviews or subscribing to this podcast, share any memorable episode on your social media with your peers, or pledge a little token on Patreon. All the details can be found in the show notes below. I greatly appreciate your support, and I'll catch you next time in the Career Lounge.